0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay, welcoming back the one and only Mrs Hayley McQueen, Miss Hayley McQueen, I should say.
2: How are you? Don't marry me off yet. (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. Although, hey fever, hello, it's horrendous. I forgot how bad it was and every year I say I'm going to go and find a way of getting some sort of injection to immunise me from this thing and I don't do it and it's too late and it's got me.
1: I don't even know that you could immunise yourself. Um, I've heard people talking about some magic crystals. Don't, I'm not oh. sure how, uh, how grounded in medical science okay. that is. Okay. I do suffer with this too, so I'm all ears. Oh. So that is the voice of Lindsay Hooper. And Linz, um, quick question from me before we get into the podcast. Have you recovered yet from Friday?
0: No, I think
1: it's all too soon. Um, I was at
0: Wolves against Leeds and oh my word, what a football match. Crazy from start to finish. It was such a stop-start game. The first half was really infuriating to try and watch. And I think if you were playing, to try and get any rhythm in that match was difficult. So I think um, Leeds United before half-time had used all their subs. Um, (laughs) And then Ruben Neves had come off uh, for Wolves as well with an injury. Um, I'm not sure what the latest is on that. Um, But yeah, it it was very much uh, a game that had everything, not everything that went in Wolves' favour, unfortunately. They were cruising 2-0 up and ended up losing 3-2, of course. And I think that's going to be the
1: catalyst for Leeds actually staying in the Premier League now. Was your head spinning around on a 360 axis, Mm -hmm. just trying to keep up with it all? Yeah, I I was a bit
0: frustrated it with how we reacted to Jimenez getting sent off. I, I honestly think that wasn't a second yellow card. Um, I think he's perfectly entitled to go for that ball. But I did think he was already walking a very tight line. He had that sending off against Manchester City where he acted a bit carelessly and was sent off within sort of the same phase of movement if you remember um, and he very nearly did the same with the first yellow he, he went to go and stand on the ball for a free kick and yeah I, I just thought that watching him something was going to happen I didn't think that the second yellow was justified but I wouldn't have ruled out him being sent off and getting a second yellow anyway
1: so. It is now five days later, so I can tell that you've got some serious beef here, mm. Lindsay, because normally you will have done like three other games by now, gotten over <laughs> it within 24 hours or so. Uh, but she's still feeling aggrieved. Um, hopefully, not so aggrieved uh, that we can't get into some interesting topics and discussions on today's show. Let's tell you what's coming up. We're going to be discussing the bane of our lives as broadcasters. This mm. is where I need to bring you two into it, because both Haley <laughs> and Lindsay, you'll be pronouncing these names much more regularly than. And I, player pronunciations, of course, the ones that no one can agree with, or the ones that hilariously have evolved into different names, different pronunciations mm. over time. I'm sure a few spring to mind, but we'll be getting into that later on. And inspired by Obama Yang, we're talking transfers that have worked out for all parties. There you go. Pleasant business on both sides. But first, let's discuss the Renaissance man, as Joe Cole described him, David Moyes. Mm. All right, let's get into not just David Moyes, but Renaissance managers as a whole. But it is inspired, of course, by Moyes. The London Stadium enjoying its greatest night since the summer of 2012 last Thursday, as West Ham overcame serial Europa League winners Sevilla after extra time to advance to their first European quarter final since 1981. It's another chapter, isn't it, in the redemption of David Moyes, once ridiculed and written off after unsuccessful spells at Manchester United and a first spell in charge at West Ham. This time, though, he's excelled, taking the Hammers from a point above the relegation zone in 2019 to the last eight of the Europa League in 2022. So we'll talk about David Moyes in just a minute and other Renaissance managers that are enjoying particular success at the moment in football. Um, first of all, though, Europa League, let's just uh, address this one. Pretty significant, of course, for West Ham. Lindsay, do you think they've got a realistic chance of walking away with it? Oh,
0: What I would say is that we're always told when you get European football and you're one of the clubs that's outside that usual top six that we're always banging on about, It's a huge ask to be able to continue to perform well in the Premier League, to have cup runs and to factor in the Europa League matches and that schedule and the travel involved with that when you look at the squads in comparison to others. If we take a Chelsea squad, a Man City squad, they effectively have two teams there that they can field and they can rotate. It is a luxury that Thomas Tuchel, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp all enjoy. And then teams like West Ham with David Moyes in charge do not have that luxury. I mean he struggles for a striker full stop, let alone a backup one to try and rotate. So his squad depth and the way that he's managed this, I think should absolutely be applauded. I think it's huge credit to him that he's managed to get so much out of this team. They went on a pretty good run as well, didn't they in the cup competition and they're still there fighting potentially for a top four spot. And a few seasons ago when Wolves finished seventh and we went to the quarterfinals of the Europa League, which I've mentioned a few times, um, (laughs) it was a brilliant season. And I thought that was great. And West Ham have have absolutely exceeded that. So first of all, I would say, let's not take anything away from them. Do I think they're going to win the Europa League? No, I don't. Because... (laughs) It's only, Kate, because, and I mean, they've knocked out one of the biggest hitters, Sevilla, who have won this repeat. They've been repeated winners um, of this competition. So I I don't want to take them lightly. I just think there's some huge teams in the Europa League right now. And even when you look at the Europa League conference, there are some big teams left in that. So I don't think they will win.
1: So next up for West Ham, you've got Lyon. Tense in Liga, but they are a different team in the Europa League. They've won six and drawn two of their eight games this season. Um, if they do get beyond Lyon, they could face the winners of uh, Eintracht Frankfurt versus Barcelona in the semifinals. And that's oh. where of course, potentially um, the mm. big challenges, particularly as Barcelona are enjoying something of a renaissance at the moment themselves. Um, Hayley, have you got high hopes uh, for West Ham? It is always a jump, isn't it, realistically, when you get a side. You know, it happened to Middlesbrough, to Fulham, Wolves, as Lindsay said, when you have a side that doesn't have a rich history in European football and they find themselves up there and in the mix.
2: You just wonder, don't you, with where, I guess, West Ham and Tottenham are in the table and battling for fourth spot and just how bruising the defeat was to, to Spurs at the weekend. I was with Bianca Westwood this week and she was absolutely gutted and she was worried about how that was going to sort of affect things and whether, you know, that would give them, you know, uh, take the confidence away at the moment because they were absolutely riding high with with everything they've got. And I just think Barcelona need it more, don't they? They're not going to win anything this season in terms of um, the league. Um, yeah, they'll qualify for Champions League football, um, but in La Liga, I think they're currently sitting third as it stands with Real Madrid at a top, who will uh, win... Win the title. Sevilla are ahead of um, Barcelona as it stands, but I just think pff, Barcelona will be hell bent on winning something. Uh, they'll be absolutely gutted that it's not the Champions League, but they're, they're going to need something out of this, aren't they? Rangers are just in there, just having a little bit of a journey and, and riding their luck, I think, um, because West Ham could meet Rangers, couldn't they? If 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 they both get to the final, I had noticed that they take that's on Braga. the final.
1: Haley wants yes, Leipzig
2: <laughs> Atalanta. So, Although I just,
1: according to Haley neither mm-hmm. of them are going
2: to get there Actually, to be honest they're they're not they are not neither of them are i do dare i say neither of them are good enough oh i feel terrible I, i've I just think West Ham have been a little bit lucky in this competition. I know they had that really special night at the London Stadium. And tell you what, they've got the stadium to do it in now, haven't they? You, mm. you know, that European game just kind of lit up. You're like, OK, finally, do you feel like you're at, you're at home? Does this finally feel like this is West Ham's home? Because it was a pretty special evening as well.
1: In terms of David Moyes, Lindsay, uh, and we'll branch this out into Renaissance managers now, is this a case of quality shining through with the right opportunity and the right setup behind him? Um, I mean, he he sort of aged rapidly, didn't he, after the Manchester United job. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be then, saying that. <laughs> and then he went abroad and then he went for a first stint at West Ham as well. I mean, mm. I mean he yeah, he looks pretty different to how he did ten years ago, but then most of us do, I suppose. But is this the case now of us seeing David Moyes utilise his talents? Is this quality shining through?
0: I don't think there are many managers that go from appointment to appointment to appointment and do a sterling job
1: in every one of them. There
0: aren't many, are there? That have got Apart that sort from records. If you
1: talk to Jose Mourinho, who's done a great job in every appointment, <laughs> of course. According I think to him, fans
0: yeah. would 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 <laughs> disagree. But it's such a difficult thing, I think when you have a high pressure job, like a football manager, to consistently perform. Now, clearly David Moyes had found his fit at Everton. And I do think that there are managers that fit with clubs and it's just a a match made in heaven. You know, sometimes those happen. But I, I also think there are so many of these Renaissance men that we can talk about. And we've got some other examples that that go hiding for some appointments and then suddenly come back out again for other ones. I don't think that's unusual in football. I think it's probably to do with the pressure of the job and then actually a bit of time away and then coming back. It would be interesting to do that comparison and statistics. You know, you've got managers that, that have taken time away and decided to wait for the next appointment. Look at Eddie Howe, who's now gone to Newcastle. He didn't take just any job. Um, even though he got offers in the interim period, and he, he's doing pretty well at the minute, that might prove to be a good call. I, I don't know. I don't know whether uh, the, there would be stats that back that up or whether just going from job to job to job is is just what you have to do. I I feel sometimes that's more about the money and less about mm. the job. Yeah, um, okay. So that probably explains why we've got a few do, do we think it's about what's
2: expected of them when they go in? I think everyone thought that Man United was in a really healthy position and a, but a lot was still expected of David Moyes because of how he'd done at Everton, because of the backing of Sir Alex Ferguson, whereas at West Ham, it was a bit of an underwhelming appointment, I'd, I'd have to say. I think they mm-hmm. thought, oh, we'll just go back to something familiar to fill a gap until we maybe find somebody that's going to set us alight. And he just went about his business quite quietly, didn't he? without the criticism, because did we really expect him to be doing, you know, uh, making great waves at West Ham? Probably not.
0: And you do have owners as well that back some managers more than others. They give Mm. them more money to spend. And it's just not, you know, not a fair comparison. Yeah.
1: Sometimes it works, sometimes all parties gel and they've all got the same mission statement and other times fractures appear. Um I think at Manchester United David Moyes and 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 I've long said this, who wants to be the guy who follows Sir Alex Ferguson? It's an impossible situation to be in and you know, for me it was never going to work. It was all it was always going to be 10 times more difficult. Um Hayley, what about other Renaissance managers? Is there anyone else that you can think of who is enjoying um or has enjoyed um a bit of a- a renaissance after perhaps not such a positive period
2: I'm just thinking let's let's look at the current England manager Gareth Southgate he was one that sprung to mind because I remember when you know things weren't going great at Middlesbrough he left they were, they were relegated and he then went on to manage the under 21s sort of near the end of his tenure all went a bit wrong at the European Championships back in 2015 England finished bottom of their group by the way they were knocked out of the competition he did get his chance by luck uh, purely or by accident because of Sam Allardyce. Um but I think when he left Middlesbrough, people write, okay, he's not suited to club football. This this is this is clearly mm. not where he fits. He then took a step down, or a sidestep, you'd have to say, to go and work with the under twenty-ones. Yeah. But maybe he realised himself he still had lots to learn and maybe felt a little bit more comfortable there. He did have the backing of of Steve Gibson when he was a club. He had no other there was no other option than to than to dispense of him as well at the end of of you know his time at Middlesbrough. and you did wonder if he was ever going to get back into club management. Now I know he hasn't gone and managed a club and he does say he's got unfinished business there and and I read that interview with him at, ahead of the Euros last summer where he said he would like to go and manage a club at some point but he's obviously delighted that he's been given the time and managed to focus on a long term project with England just looking at where they are. Who'd have ever thought that Gareth Southgate when he failed at Middlesbrough and had to take the under 21s job where he thought maybe he's just going to stick with the FA, be that man that's just kind of always there in the background looking after the kids and everyone looking up to Mr. Nice Guy uh, would ever cut it with the team getting to a fourth place finish at a World yeah. Cup,
1: you know, getting and also to runner, runner, runners the Euros up. as yeah. well. And the England team has been through such... At such a torrid time when it comes to mm. getting the getting the most out of the players. This kind of you know sea of talent, but no one could ever bind them together to mm. to sort of replicate club form for country form. Um, and he's done that, so fair yeah. play to him. But, and that that was why taking on
2: somebody who knows about the youth system and understands the current pledge that they have coming through and still has relationships. That's the most important thing. He still has really strong relationships with with those at under 21 level and the former coaches and is very much on top of that. And he has the time to do that as well. So Mm. there you go. I'm just going to say big up Gareth Southgate. (laughs)
1: Lindsay, anyone spring to mind for you? Well,
0: both of my examples either have a link... To David Moyes or to West Ham. Um, And that's pure fluke. But you mentioned, Kate, about nobody wanting to be the person coming in after Sir Alex Ferguson. I think that was the case... As well, and I, this is why I think there's a, a likeness to Moyes in this in this scenario for Unai Emery because he came in after Arsene Wenger, but he's gone on to show. I mean, look at Villarreal right now in the Champions League, beating Juventus three 0 He was a serial winner before with Severe. I mean, he actually won the Europa League for fun. This manager, and and he's shown, hasn't he, since leaving Arsenal? He's a good manager. He can do this. You know, he's. He, it wasn't a fluke. All of those times at Severe, he was. A one club man. Sometimes you look, you look at managers that have had success at one club. I think maybe you'd aim this at Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid. Can he do it anywhere else? Um, but I think Unai Emery has shown he absolutely can. Um, I think Villarreal. They they face a risk now. Of course, they've got Bayern Munich, haven't they? In the last eight, um, I think that will be a bit much. And if he, if you he can pull that rabbit out of the hat, then hats off to him. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's the first time that Emery's reached the quarterfinals of a Champions League. Um, He's clearly a really good man manager as well, because a lot of the players that you can tell they're playing for him. So um, he would be one of my examples. And the other one is Manuel Pellegrini, the man that came in when David Moyes had the first contact at West Ham. And It felt a bit of a kick in the teeth to him that he didn't get offered the job or an extension or on a permanent basis afterwards. It was Manuel Pellegrini that they brought in and he didn't do well at West Ham. But what he has gone to do is join Real Betis and been performing for the last two years brilliantly with that club in Spain. Um, They've long been overshadowed by Sevilla as a club, uh, but they've actually gone from a lower mid-table team to compete in for a Champions League spot they have dropped a little bit in the last few games They're fifth they were third at one point but last 16 of Europa League Copa del Rey final next month um facing Valencia it could be the most successful time at Real Betis for 17 years that's a huge amount of time Mm. so you have to give credit to Pellegrini and uh, and there's a part of me that thinks there's the old debate as well isn't there as as well about new managers coming through and can the older managers still cut it but those are a couple of examples that show they can
1: Yeah, quality will out in the end and not so much a manager although you could credit him with this the renaissance that Barcelona's going through at the moment at this point in time um, after having Well, after being in huge amounts of debt, having to offload players, um, and we'll mention this again uh, in a little while, but going to Real Madrid on Sunday evening with a record of five successive defeats in the Clasico and then winning 4-0. And there's there's 15 points as we record this between the both sides. Um, If that doesn't smell like a renaissance, then... I don't know what does. And and I think Xavi is the key here. Of course, he's returning to Barcelona, isn't he? He played there for so long. He's an absolute legend. And although it's not necessarily a renaissance as a manager, we can attribute a lot of the success that Barcelona's going through at the moment or Barcelona's renaissance to Xavi. And in terms of players, you know, gone is Messi and the raft of players that they couldn't afford. In, in comes a Yang, albeit for less wages than he's on at Arsenal as a temporary thing. Ferran Torres, his fees being paid To city and delayed instalments, Adama Traoré arriving on loan from Wolves, Danny Alves rejoining the club after so much success. So, uh, really canny moves from Xavi, who is himself bringing about a bit of a Barcelona renaissance at the moment. Well, that, of course, is about Barcelona, the club, and the renaissance that they're going through at the moment, indicated by that 4-0 win in the Clasico on Sunday night, humiliating Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Um, Aubameyang scored twice in that one, taking his tally to nine goals in his last eight games. In fact, Yang scored every 63 minutes in La Liga this season. He's moved to Barcelona in January. Well, it's worked out for everyone, hasn't it? With the Catalans and the Gunners both rising up into the top four since uh, Yang left the Emirates. What other examples can we think about of players where their transfer has worked out very nicely, thank you very much indeed, for both sides? Hayley? Well, do you know what? We've been
2: talking a lot about David Moyes. And here you go. What about Wayne Rooney at Everton? Of course, David Moyes had him when he was a youngster. He gave him big chance and he'd made that massive, massive move to Manchester United. And with the huge price tag on his head, it was a world record fee for a teenager at the time when United signed him. He did not disappoint, did he? You did wonder if he can step it up with the big boys and and make it work. They achieved actually when he left Everton, uh, their only top four finish in Premier League history the following season. Uh, So did they miss him too much? Maybe not, but did it work out for him at Man United? absolutely. He became their all-time record top scorer. So much so just this week, he has of course been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame, of course. He's won the Premier League five times, he won the Champions League, Europa League, lots of other silverware as well, League Cups, FA Cups. Um, During 13 seasons, Rooney scored 183 Premier League goals. I used to love interviewing him at Manchester United because he was actually one of the most well-behaved players of them all. I was always quite surprised because I know he has had a bit of a reputation off the field I don't know if you've seen uh, the Rooney documentary as well in parts with with him and um, Colleen Rooney which I love because they're renovating a house so it had another little (laughs) dimension of interest to me but it was actually lovely just to see the other side of Wayne Rooney I know he's made some mistakes off the pitch but I really enjoyed interviewing him because he was always really polite he we always engaged in a good bit of chat before and yeah, I know he people think he might not be the most charismatic, but I'm, I'm really happy with what he's doing at Derby now and carrying on everything he gave in terms of, you know, on the pitch talent. And he's managing to uh, help out at Derby now. So I think he is absolutely up there um, in this category. That's for sure. And well done, David Moyes as, as well.
0: Mm, Lindsay, give us another example. I think I might start with the striker, actually. I think Tammy Abraham going to Roma on a permanent deal has worked for both parties. I remember that a lot of people scoffed when that figure, a transfer fee of around 40 million. It's different depending on where you read the story, to be honest. But people thought that was too much. For Tammy Abraham. Um, I read an article and I thought this summed it up brilliantly from a Chelsea perspective. Um, they've obviously bought through a lot of talent through the academy over recent years. And you can say that they were like a proud parent with Tammy Abraham, um, but he wasn't the favourite child. And he probably wasn't the second favourite child. And I thought that was just the perfect way to describe how Abraham was regarded by Chelsea. Whereas he's gone to Roma and he is loved. He is absolutely adored over there. The highest scoring Englishman across Europe's top five leagues. So it's it's a move that's worked for him. He's got the most goals for a debut season at Roma. And yeah you just think that this is this is something that's just going to go and accelerate even more and and hopefully propel him to the superstar that that he could be one day um, i think they're both happy with that they're happy chelsea are happy that they got that money previously because they wouldn't be getting any any at, at the moment
1: and <laughs> well done for them for doing the deal before bit, yeah doing before the deal the really. breaks are on. yeah yeah but
0: i also think that they they probably if they'd have hung on to him
1: he would still be getting bit part appearances, wouldn't he? Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you know that since the start of this year, 2022, only Robert Lewandowski has netted more goals in the big five European leagues than Tammy Abraham? I'll chuck in another one, very recent example. Philip Coutinho, you know, going great guns at Villa. We talked about this, haven't we, in the last few weeks. Uh, whilst he's on loan there, Barcelona's huge wage bill is reduced. So very much working out for both sides, I think. Mm. On that
0: note, because you're right to bring up a club benefiting from that with with Barcelona and the wage structure there, quite the opposite, I think, is Brentford, who've been getting the money in for players for many seasons. And you think, wow, it's like a fire sale that goes on at Brentford every year. Were they ever going to make it to the promised land? They got that new stadium. Were they going to make it to the Premier League for the first time? But they did it, and they did it without some star players. Ollie Watkins, for instance, had gone... Uh, to Aston Villa, but they've lost their star striker quite a few seasons in a row. They've got Ivan Toney. I'm sure they'll lose him and they'll replace him as well. Where do they find all these amazing strikers from?
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to chip in with uh, the relationship between Liverpool and Southampton, and the fact that actually, I mean, I know Southampton of having a rubbish March so far, but generally it's worked out pretty well. Them offloading expensive, talented players um, to Liverpool <laughs> uh, more often than not, and it's worked out very nicely. Thank you very I'd much. I'd argue for it's maybe worked out better for Liverpool. But- <laughs> Possibly, but, you know, Southampton is still a Premier League team and there have been times, Lindsay, uh, when that has been very much up for debate. Um, the two sort of most recent examples, I suppose, Virgil van Dijk and uh, Sadio Mane, uh, they've been the most profitable. Mane joined in 2016, van Dijk in 2018. Uh, Mane cost 34 mil. Uh, Virgil cost 75 million and they've both gone on to win the Premier League and the Champions League Mane's the golden boot winner Van Dijk's had PFA player of the year and Southampton have benefited from that money um, to some extent and are still a Premier League side we can go back you know further as well players like Dayan Lovren and Adam Lalana, as well, if you go back even further between this Luke mega Shore. relationship. Going to, uh, I know that's not Liverpool, but
0: I'm just thinking of all the players that, like, you North know, Theo Walcott. West, wasn't it? Yep. Yes. Yeah, Theo uh, Walcott. If you go back
1: over a decade, Crouchy, even. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, certainly, I think overall... That's worked out very well, hasn't it? The transfers between Southampton and Liverpool. Um, that was down to one? their academy,
0: though, and, and yes. the players that they were churning out. And I do wonder now about, about Southampton. Has that era now ended? They're having to rely on bringing in other players from academies. So they've got Breuer at the moment. They've got Livramento. They've got a lot to thank Chelsea for right now. So, um I, I would think that that's an area that Southampton need to to try and get back up to where it was.
1: Um, in order yeah, to but also also canny signings. If you look at, at Van Dijk, he wasn't an academy player, was he? He came, he was at Celtic, wasn't he? Before he went to Southampton mm-hmm, um, and then mm-hmm. on to Liverpool. So the, there has also been a canny buying strategy there as well.
2: Mm. Oh, I have got links between Liverpool and Manchester City in actual fact and and deals benefiting both sides. Who'd have thought in 2015, James Milner, who was just, I guess, biffed from the midfield, wasn't he, at Manchester City, would go on to Liverpool and achieve what he's done and be a mainstay of the team. He's just been brilliant. It's just been incredible. I still can't believe he joined on a free. That was an absolute bargain. But what (laughs) then it did was free up a place in the side for Manchester City to sign Kevin De Bruyne. And we all know what happened and with that signing as well, didn't we? (laughs) There's also the links, but the other way, with Raheem Sterling. He left Liverpool and joined Manchester City. That was also in the same year of 2015 and had huge success since he's been there. And that then meant that Liverpool needed to sign a player. Who did they bring in? Mo Salah. Enough said. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'd say that's worked out pretty well. Is the offside rule with myself, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper, and Hayley McQueen? Don't forget to check out the Athletic Women's Football podcast this week as well. Myself and Lindsay are joined by former Lioness and pundit extraordinaire Sue Smith as we chew over the FA Cup action. That's the Athletic Women's Football podcast out on your favourite podcasting platform right now. All right, let's get into some player pronunciations, shall we? We mentioned this briefly on last week's podcast because, Lindsay, it's no longer Erling Haaland, it's... Erling Haaland. That's right. Haaland. <laughs> uh, so everyone... Get your chops around that one. Um, And it happens sometimes, doesn't it? Either a player arrives in the Premier League, maybe we don't know too much about them, and we realise after a few months uh, that we've been pronouncing their name wrong for ages. Can I I interject and say, um, on behalf of all of my colleagues at the
0: Premier League... (laughs) That there is a open day at the start of every season. Now, I've attended these. And one of the things is you get the shots for when players line up. So when you see the fancy Sky Sports graphics and the players look to camera, when you get the lineups, we do all of that. They do the turn and stuff. They do a turn and they do a little bit of a piece to camera sometimes. Celebration, all that sort of stuff. Uh, We also get them to say down the barrel of a lens, a camera lens, their name and pronounce it. What happens is... Sometimes it's been anglicised already and they've heard it. And sometimes the players just accept it and they say it the way that they've heard it mm-hmm. said to themselves yeah, rather than how it's meant yeah. to be said. So often this um, it gets unpicked over a period of time and you sit down with someone. I, I've had this this season and I know my colleague Paul Belverston had it with Breuer actually um, at Southampton, whereby everyone be calling him Broger. And he said, well, is that is it Broger or is or is it? Broyer, and he's like, "Well, everyone says Broyer, and that's fine, but it is Broyer." <laughs> so oh. it's like, well, we'll call you Broyer. But well, it isn't fine, is then, just, is it? Yes, that is what yes. your name is. So I do so always many wonder what these their, examples.
2: It's it's what their parents think. They've just, quite often it's obviously the surname, but. Mrs. Messy probably wants to know that her child is called Lionel, like she named him, not Lionel, like she didn't name him. Or was it Lionel because he was named after well, Lionel Richie? It's Ritchie. so yes. Yes. I know. <laughs> so there is that.
1: Um, uh, if only that was a true story, that would be really. Um, yeah. What other examples? I, I'm trying to remember who it is, but there is another famous example, Lens, of someone having given their barrel their name down the barrel of the lens, and then it's changed halfway into the season because they've admitted that they just repeated mm. what they'd heard other people call them rather than what their actual name is, which which just fries my brain completely. Just just give us your actual name. Suppose- I've had that a few times, and and
0: one that springs to mind is Hector Bayerin. Who we'd call yes. Hector Bellerin, Bellerin, Bellerin for years lot, yeah. and years. And I'd interviewed Hector quite a few times. And I think it was about the fourth time. I just, oh, can I just check? Because one of my colleagues who works for Premier League World said, in Spanish, that would be Bellerin. <laughs> so I said, yes. Is it Bellerin? He said, Yes, it is. <laughs> oh. But then is it Hector or Hector? Oh, yeah, I've oh, got
1: another question who altogether. Knows? Yeah. Oh, There's also the issue of um suddenly commentators pronouncing their name in that language kind of a few months into the season. So Santi Cazola turned into Santi Cazola. Do you remember? Yeah. Like a few months yeah. into... And and, and 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 so then that's confusing because his name probably is in Spain, likely. Cazola. So we will do it for some names and then not others. And that's what's ridiculous as well. Who some decides ones- ultimately though, guys? Who decides what you at, go with? Do you just tend Sky, to, to... At yeah. Sky, at Sky...
2: It's, we have to go with what Martin Tyler goes with. And we have, Ah. we actually have a directory within our kind of iNew script writing and and messaging service that we have at Sky that has all of our scripts in it. We have a diary, rotas, everything sort of all down the left-hand column. Is is Mm -hmm.
0: it go with Martin Tyler over the player pronunciation?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, But apparently Martin Tyler has is more the often than not no has asked the player or we have yeah. the little we do actually have a pronunciation guide that you can find in this script writing service where it has but sometimes it's written down and whoever's written it phonetically you still can't get your head around it, <laughs> it around. so yeah. i quite often will go on on youtube and have a look and find the player saying it mm-hmm. themselves
0: I, we honestly would be here all day if I went through all the ones that have happened in the last 15 years or whatever. But I, I've i got one that I am convinced if I asked you his name, you would both say it incorrectly.
2: Okay, spell oh, it go. We'll, Okay, go uh, Manchester
0: United, uh, currently yeah. still there. Victor, what's his name?
1: Lindelof. No. What is it? Oh, blimey. Well, I've got to go with something different now, haven't I? But we all say Lindelof. Is it like... Linda
2: <laughs> <Linde> <laughs> love, Linda love.
1: Do you just have to it's throw love. something in there. It's, it's, love. Linda it's love. Linda love. It's Linda love. Yeah. As Linda in I love, love. Linda. Oh. Yeah. oh.
2: Linda, love. Linda love. Linda love. Okay. What about another Manchester United player? How do you say Bruno
0: Fernandes?
1: Oh it's my God. It's actually Fernandesh. Fernandesh. Oh my <laughs>
0: God.
2: For Nanj. And he said it himself. Found that on MUTV.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? If there, if there are any young commentators listening to this, I apologize for messing with your head. This is horrible, um, isn't it, for everyone? Yeah. A former
0: Liverpool player, Kate, Emre. Mm-hmm. Chan. Emre. Chan. Chan. See, everyone says Chan. It's Jan with a J. Oh, for God's Chan. sake. It's, it's like a
2: Chan. J. It's a C with J, J, isn't it? Chan.
1: Yeah. Emre Jan. Jan, em, Emre Jan. Oh, God. But, yeah. but but no one called him Emre Jan. No one said Emre Jan running up the way. No, no one went No, with that, I think they? in all the time he played
0: in the Premier League, not he once was, was he called Emre Jan his actual name. He was called
1: Chan. And some people called him Can. I just call him Emre. Where did where did everyone end up with Edin Azar.
2: <laughs> Azar.
1: Do you remember that one? Yeah. Do you remember that? Is it, oh is it Eden? Is it Eddin? Is it Azard? Is it Azar? Just to just just leave the R hanging. I don't even know mm-hmm. where we ended up with him. I always said Eden Hazard.
2: You know sometimes if I don't know how to pronounce a name norm, normally obviously Premier League, Championship whatever fine but ugh, I have before when I have seen a script and absolutely not had a clue about the name, but kind of n- knew he was a centre half, I'll be like, "Oh, and the uh, skillful centre half," and just not <laughs> use his name, just describe his position or "Oh, the uh, you know number, the number ten, the number seven. Yeah, and just, or just until I figured it out. As you can. <laughs> yeah, or say it as quickly as you can and as loudly as you can with conviction, and just hope that they're not watching or listening. <laughs>
1: Uh, producer charlie's given us a suggestion which had me howling when i read this okay former derby and man city striker paolo one chop was pretty much one chop then there was mm-hmm. a brief period where he was one chop a <laughs> everyone went back to one chop in the end <laughs> wow. we do
0: that a lot so we put like an a on the end or um so uh, it's like lucadina Luka- it's Dean. Yeah, so we do a yeah. On the
2: Dean. End. Yeah. yeah, we we say Dean. What are we expert, playing at we? with
1: all this? I mean, I what know. I mean, come on. It's it, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? But really? then it
2: gets really confusing because so we had a Sky Sports presenter who was excellent with languages but sometimes took it a bit <laughs> far because it was <laughs> everything was so pronounced but in an accent all the time. And I remember they were interviewing Carl Henry. Gallery joins us now. <laughs> really. No, 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 no. He's English, love. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had a few of those before. And it's like the camp, the camp now, the camp new, the new camp. What is it? You said
0: earlier, you said Bernabeu and it's Bernabeu. Bernabeu. I know it's it's Bernabeu,
2: but it sounds silly because it just, to me, it doesn't sound right. But if I it's was going in to be Spain Spotify now, isn't it? And I know Barcelona. this is going to be an
0: extended podcast. Well, it's like
2: you know well. we say like Atletico Madrid. It's Atleti.
0: Atletico. Athletic, yes. Atletico. Yes. Oh, worse Math. though. And this is not a pronunciation thing, but okay. this has to be my biggest gripe. It's Sporting Club de Portugal, not Sporting Lisbon. That isn't even a yeah, club.
2: Yeah, that is. That's not a club. That's true. Sporting Lisbon well, doesn't exist. But it's also like if you say oh Madrid, well Madrid who? It's Real Madrid. That's like saying Manchester isn't it that bothers mm-hmm. me as well mm. um
1: mark gurney who's oh yeah gay-y. yeah gay well this is it this is it uh people <laughs> still haven't worked it out is it gurney is it gooey is it gay because honest to god you can find <laughs> Gway? many Gway? different examples oh, i've gone uh, gay I, I spoke before. about him yesterday <laughs> Well, I, um, I can't remember when I last looked at this. Um, I think it might have been for a previous podcast. And I think I went with mm. Gerhi. But I mean, okay. he's, he's, he's sort of from France originally, I think, or his parentage is French, okay. isn't it? So that's, that just throws, throws another difficulty into it. Uh, even Mourinho. Do you remember when everyone went through Mourinho. Tried to doing it the, the Portuguese Even Jose, way. people still yeah Jose Jose, 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 yeah exactly, yeah exactly. Uh, look, we could go on for hours. Um, and <laughs> does anyone else have any other favourites? Before we, uh, I think people want to get involved with this because
0: we can't we can't cover all of them. And this is where it's brilliant to see our socials light up and see what people have got here. So yeah. at Offside Rule Pod, um, mm-hmm. get in touch with us and let us know the ones that really mm-hmm. get to you. I'm going to finish off by saying it's Kevin De Bruyne.
1: It's Bruna. Not De Bruyne. Oh God. Okay. It's Kevin Stop. De Bruyne. De De
0: Bruyne. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Although, yeah, Haley's got to consult the oracle that is Martin Tyler before <laughs> anything <laughs> is allowed on air. Uh, there we go. Player pronunciations. Let us know what you think at Offside Rule Pod. Get in touch. <laughs>
2: pronounce your name's wrong in actual fact do they get borsay borsay only scousers
1: Kate? sadly and well, I, I mean <laughs> you know i love <laughs> liverpool but it's Kate Borsey, and borsay, oh, uh, so, like I'm, so, I'm, so i'm so i'm e-y and then sometimes rather than just because it is just borsay um sometimes it's borsay sometimes i had some um i had some pre-recorded sort of trails um they're called on times radio and the first, the first one was Bosse, Tune into Kate Bosse. and it's like, no, it's just Bosse, It's just say as you see.
0: People just get my name wrong.
1: They think it's Hopper,
0: not Hooper.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> annoying. My, people get my little girl's name wrong, and it really bothers me. And I, I thought I'd spelt it how it sounds.
1: It is spelled how it is. A
2: Y L A. She is Ayla. She's not Ayla. Is- if she was Ayla, it would be I S L A.
1: But maybe if you're from the Northeast, she is Isla. I-I. <laughs>
2: Isla. I-Y-I. <laughs> and then, actually, you know, I only worked out the other day. So my name is Hayley with an A-Y in it. Ayla has an A-Y, it starts with, and my sister's name is Anna, which N starts in an A and ends in an A. So our two names merge together. You've had too That's much complication. Oh, wow. I have. She lost us yes, there. But um, anyway, <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's Ayla, it's not Ayla. Okay, noted, noted. All right, let's head into any other business then. There's smaller, uh, maybe more underground stories that you may not have heard this week. Who wants to get (laughs) us started? I'm going to
0: go with one, which you've definitely heard. It's not underground whatsoever. It's been news everywhere, but I feel like we should cover it. And that is Mike Dean announcing that he's going to retire at the end of the season doesn't mean that we won't ever hear from him again. I think he's going to go oh, into the VAR hear from him <laughs> room. Of course you again. I know, yeah. <laughs> he's going to go into the VAR room. Um, but I did think he is a man who divides opinion. I must admit, I was hearing on the radio the other day a discussion about it, and my granddad had exactly the same opinion as, I think it was Neil Warnock, who I, I heard talking about it, which is a referee, you shouldn't really notice them. Um, and Mike Dean goes against that, doesn't he? In every respect, but he mm. is in a Premier League. He's been a Premier League official since the year 2000. He's uh, refereed 553 matches. 114 red cards have been given in the process. I do like the non look yellow. I've got to say, I've grown to like that a bit more. It's just, I suppose, the comedy value of it. But um, yeah, what do we think
1: about him retiring? Fan? Not a fan?
0: Whatever. Open yeah, up and
1: I, a, mean, I mean, it, I mean, I guess he's going to go into punditry, isn't he? And, and and it's it's always interesting to hear the point from a from a former professional. I suppose the game moves on, doesn't it? So much that sometimes you're in danger of sort of being slightly out of date, or just people getting kind of sick of the sight of you. Mm. Um, so let's just see, shall we? Let's give you this one, uh, you know, again, not underground at all, but now the mayor of Manchester, Andy Burnham, has weighed into this. Oh, this yeah. is the FA Cup semi-final for Rore. Manchester City set to face Liverpool at Wembley. And there's no blooming direct trains to London Ridiculous. from Manchester and Merseyside um, because it's scheduled over the Easter weekend. This isn't the first time it's happened, but you'll have kind of travelling support of 50,000, 60,000 mm. fans, really. How on earth are they going to get there over the Easter weekend? Andy Burnham, man of the people, has written to the Football Association to demand the game is moved. Can you do your breaking news, Haley? Breaking news:
0: <laughs> Ruben Neves, who I was saying earlier, I'm wondering about the injury. Oh, the injury <gasps> out until May against Yell. The injury.
2: Oh, that's, that's bad. Blessing. Well, that's Sorry, actually Lind. ruined my
0: day now. Actually, that, I think that's ruined your season, to be fair.
1: Not just yes. your day. Yes. Uh, some breaking news oh, well. on any other business. Um, Hayley, what have you got? Well, I am going to watch
2: England-Switzerland at the weekend. uh, It's really good because they're raising money and awareness for Alzheimer's and Dementia Care UK. So they're the official charity partner of the FA. It's really good, actually. So Jeff Hurst has sat down uh, with a few of the current England players and had a little bit of a chat to tell them about how it's affected his family. And I guess just to make people aware of as well some of the problems with heading the ball and what that has caused or what it's believed to have caused and just making them a little bit more aware And when you're actually sitting face to face with somebody who's either got it, experienced it, having lived with it. Ben Chilwell opened up and said his granddad had lived with um, dementia and had the illness for a decade and he'd seen firsthand how that really affected him. So he sat down with quite a few players and that's going to form a bit of a feature heading into that. But yeah, they've invited lots of special guests, lots of experts players who are suffering with dementia to come and watch the game in in the Royal Box. That's a really lovely one. And Alzheimer's have just launched as well Sports United against dementia, who are raising lots of money. And there's some really key players in the world of sport getting involved with this. It's just got off the ground. I actually hosted their inaugural event with Gareth Southgate behind it, because even Gareth Southgate's... Slightly worried about, he's like, God, he said, I, I wouldn't mind being checked out to see if there potentially could be any problems because he was a prolific header of the ball as well and did that in training. He's almost said he's he doesn't want to know or not just yet, but he does worry about the future effects of it, which is good in some ways because he will then make sure that those playing under him are also aware of that too so that when they get to his age, they're not also going to have to worry about it. And speaking of which, another little story, Paul Pogba just this week um, opened up on French television about um, suffering from a depression and how he dealt with his mental illness throughout his football career. You don't ever really hear Paul Pogba speaking about um anything other than I guess picking himself up and telling everyone yeah how kind absolutely of really personal issues he, is. he doesn't mm-hmm. yeah, really yeah, personal yeah. about how it, I mean his his children were in the house with the nanny when he was playing football when they they got burgled that the, the burglars entered the house about what it was like when he's dropped from teams and how it affected him and there were lots of things going on in his life behind the scenes that you didn't realize that he was then taking obviously onto the pitch and 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 were very much still in his mind so mm-hmm. that's quite a a a lovely interview that he did um, with with, um, a French network. So you'll probably see a few little quotes um, throughout the week from that as well, building up to the international game for them.
1: Well, that seems like a nice point to end it on. Um, Enjoy going to see the game, Hayley. It will be an exciting one to be a part of, I'm sure, and a very good cause as well to be a part of. Linz, where, where are you off to
0: next? So, at the weekend on Sunday, I'm going to be at Manchester United's Old Trafford. This is to watch the women play. They have played there once before, Kate, but you might remember that was behind closed doors. So, I'm so excited to be able to see fans in there for for this game. Um, And there's a lot going on at the weekend. We've got a super Sunday uh, of women's football because also you've got Chelsea and Leicester playing as well on the same day. So, yeah, I'll be dining out on that whilst also trying to keep an eye on what happens
1: with England. Um, ladies, the offside rule will be back next week, of course. So until then, listeners, don't forget you can rate, subscribe, download us via your favourite podcasting platform. Keep in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and don't forget to check out the website too. Uh, there is an announcement coming within a week or so, I hope, to do with young female writers. So if you've got anyone in your life or you are a young Female or non-binary journalists, keep your eyes peeled on the socials for an announcement coming soon. And ladies, we shall see everyone again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Take care. You've been
2: listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app.